0: We know, if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In this one we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tent do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be present with the Lord and to be absent from the body. Therefore, we labor, that whether we are present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Welcome
1: to The Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place, and by His grace came with me to. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. Then they believed the Scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. John chapter two verses eight through twenty-two. Well, today Dr. Mitchell continues our study in Second Corinthians chapter five at verse one. Paul's confidence concerning the future—a future new body—and the present ambition of whether at home or absent
0: to be pleasing to him. Here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you, good day friends. Again, we come to you and we're so thankful that we can come to you with the word of God. And we pray continually that we might be able to give it to you in simplicity, in clarity, and yet in the power of God. I would, I would ask that each one of you who are listening to me day after day will remember us in prayer at the throne of grace. We just feel the need of it so much these days. And we ask that you uh, be a real fellow worker with us. We're on God's team to reach our present generation with the Word of God. This is what we need today. I'm afraid that so many, even Christians, so many who have been on the road for years know so little of the gospel of the grace of God and the gospel of the glory of God and the tremendous hope that God has given to us. And we're dealing with that now in Second Corinthians, chapters four and five. from chapter 4:14 4, through chapter five, verse 10. We've been dealing with the hope of the ministry. And we were contrasting from verse 14 through verse 18 of chapter four, uh, the passing uh, contrasts that which is passing away and that which is eternal. And all the way through, he contrasts that. And yet with it, you have this amazing assurance of Paul, knowing that he which raised up Jesus is going to raise us up. Knowing that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. Knowing if we leave this body, we're going to be with the Savior. The absolute confidence that the Spirit of God has given to us in this precious portion of the Word of God. No wonder Paul could say, In Romans 8, 18, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. It's an amazing thing. I'm very much tempted to go over those verses again. The marvel of it. We are going to speak that which we know. We're going to testify that which we have seen. And he goes on, Though the outward man is perishing, and by the way, the older you get, the more you realize how frail the old body is. And yet we have this treasure of the indwelling spirit in these bodies. As verse 7, you remember, we have this treasury in earth and vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God's going to get all the glory. It's not going to be God plus you or me. God's going to have all the glory, every bit of it. No flesh will glory in his presence. And as we look at the glory, these light afflictions just, out oh, for a moment, just a passing thing. And I know I'm speaking to some today who are in times of affliction. Possibly you're shut in, or maybe you're in sorrow. May I tell you, my friend, it's just light compared with eternal glory. Just think that when a believer leaves this scene, they go right into the very presence of the eternal living God. What a wonderful hope. What a wonderful thing it is to have Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. These light afflictions are just for a moment. Things that are seen are passing, just temporal. Things that are not seen are eternal. Which leads us to the fifth chapter. In the first 10 verses, you have Paul's confidence concerning the future. And Paul knew, by the way, that sooner or later he must face death. But listen to verse one. We know if our earthly house of this tabernacle, this body, this tent be dissolved, It goes back to dust. We have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In this one we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tent, this tabernacle, do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought the selfsame thing hath wrought us for the selfsame thing as God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. We are are confident, I say, and willing rather to be present with the Lord and to, to be absent from the body. Therefore we labor, we are ambitious, that whether we are present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone, talking about believers, one may receive the things done in his body. According to that, he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Now I've read those first 10 verses because I want you to get into the spirit of it. As so I said a moment ago, Paul knows that he's going to face death sooner or later. But mark his knowledge. First one, we know if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. In this one, we're groaning. Why not you to mark his, his knowledge. I'm well aware that there are different aspects of interpretation of this passage. I personally am of the persuasion, even though the general context in the first eight verses seem to look forward to the fact of the coming of the Lord when our bodies will be transformed into eternal bodies, from mortal to immortal, from corruptible to corruption, incorruption. It's true that we wait for the coming of the Son of God to have our bodies transformed. But I wonder if this first verse doesn't intimate that the moment a Christian leaves this world He's clothed upon with a house from heaven. We know if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It's well known that this body of mine that I'm living in now certainly is not an eternal body. It's a temporary tent. I'm going to exchange this temporary building for an eternal for a permanent building. I'm reminded, by the way, when I was ministering the Word of God in Saskatchewan many years ago, that's over 50 years ago. Some of you folk don't know that I'm that that old, do you? Well, over 50 years ago, I was ministering up on the prairies and where many of these people had gone up there to homestead. What do you think they did? They went in the spring? They got a homestead, 160 acres, buy a preemption for a mere dollar an acre or so, and they get 320 acres. And they had to, they had to plow so much of that each year. Well, going late in the spring, they plow it. Where do they live? They live in a tent. And while they're living in the tent, they're, they're proving up their land. What do you think they're starting to do? They begin to build a building because by fall and into the winter, they'll have sub-zero weather. They can't live in a tent in sub-zero weather. And oftentimes they would, make it as, they would make a sod shack about about two to three feet wide of, of sod and build them a little home. And by the way, I have been in some of those sod shacks and in the wintertime at 40 below zero outside, it's been so wonderful to be on the inside, warm as toast. But you know, they lived in a tent Sometimes they just live in their wagon, improving up their ground. But that was not their permanent home. They had to build a permanent home. I'm living in a tent now, a body. I may live to be 80, 90, who knows how long we're gonna live. At the best, it's only a temporary situation. And Paul says, we know if this earthly house, if our tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Believe me, it's an awful nice thing to leave this world and go home in a permanent dwelling. Wouldn't you think so? Change from temporary to eternal, from frailty to power, from earth to glory. (laughs) No wonder Jesus said to the disciples in John 14, 27, 28. I know you all know 27, but you don't know 28, do you? What is 27? My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. You've heard say that I'm going to leave you in your sorrow. Oh, can I put it in my own words? If you only knew what was on the other side, you would rejoice because I said, I go to my father. If you only knew what was on the other side. Do you know? It's a good job we don't know. If we knew, absolutely knew what was on the other side, we wouldn't want to live down here for 10 more minutes. We'd all want to go home. But I've got a job down here, and you've got a job down here. Why has He left you down here? Those of you who are Christians, He's given you a tremendous responsibility to reveal Him to men. But I like this word. If our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, let's let's go on. In this we groan. Huh. You hear lots of groaning, don't you? In this one we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven, that eternal one. If so, being that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. We're not going to be a naked spirit flowing through the air. We're going to have a body. For we that are in this body do groan, being burdened, not that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up with life. Now he that hath wrought us for the self-same thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit, the guarantee, listen, the guarantee that we're going to have an eternal, incorruptible, immortal body that will never know frailty, We'll never know weakness. We'll never know sickness. That's guaranteed to us by the indwelling Spirit. Do you remember you had that in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14, where Paul says, "On believing, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. What do you mean the redemption of the purchased possession? It means that when Christ died for you and he died for me, he died for the whole man. I haven't experienced eternal redemption. I've experienced redemption. I've been brought from the markets of sin. And I'm looking forward to the day when this old body is going to be redeemed and made just like the saviors. That's what he says here. He that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. You tell me you have the Spirit of God indwelling you? And if you're a Christian, a real believer in Christ, Spirit of God indwells you as a guarantee that one of these days you're going to stand in His presence, the whole man, spirit, soul, body, redeemed. This is what you have in Romans chapter 8 when Paul says about verse 23, we too wait for the redemption of the body. For we are saved by hope. If, hope, if we see that which we hope for, we no longer hope. When it becomes a reality, You don't have, you don't need hope anymore. I'm living in hope. Of what? Of being just like Jesus with a body redeemed. What's the guarantee of that? He that raised up Jesus from the dead, verse 14 of chapter 4, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Oh, I tell you, I don't think Paul wanted to get out of his body but rather he was living in anticipation that when he leaves this scene, there'll be a body, neither frail, nor passing, nor limited, an unlimited body, a house not made with hands, a building of God, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You see, oh brother, to leave this old body And they have a body waiting for you that's neither frail nor passing. And his hope is guaranteed in verse 5 by the indwelling spirit. Now mark the the next no. This is the third no. First one was in chapter 4, verse 14. The second one was in chapter 5, verse 1. Now we have the third one, verses 6 to 8. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We walk by faith not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Oh, the confidence of this man. Knowing, knowing, being confident while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. That's true. I'm at home in the body and you are at home in the body. I'm talking to Christians. We're at home in the body. But we're absent from the Lord. But in verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Yes, sir. That's what I want too. Believe me. No wonder Paul could say in Philippians chapter 1, 23 and 24, do you remember it? Paul says, I'm in a strait betwixt two. I don't know what to do, he said. I'd rather be absent from the body and present with the Lord. But he said, when I think of you folk down here, I better stay down here for a while. Being confident of this very thing. While we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You know, I think the older a person gets, especially Christians, the more they want to go home I visited a dear lady today in the hospital. No hope for her. The only word I got out of her was what? I want to go home. I want to go home. I tell you again, oh man, woman, isn't it wonderful to have a home to which you can go? The certainty of it, the sureness of it. Am I talking to you, my unsaved friend? Where are you gonna go? Sometimes I talk to men about their need of a savior. Oh Mitchell, when I'm dead, I'm dead. Well, friend, you've got an an experience coming to you. You're going to be raised from the dead. How do you know? I said, I can even tell you the one who's going to raise you from the dead. Who's that? Jesus Christ is going to raise men from the dead. And they're going to stand in his presence. Not a question of life now. It's a question of eternal judgment. For God has set apart a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and then he hath raised him from the dead. In fact, I'll tell you very frankly, and I quote from John, the fifth chapter. Jesus said, The hour is coming when all who were in their graves will hear the voice of the Son of God some to eternal life and some to eternal judgment. And God has never reversed or changed His method of resurrection. He raised the daughter of Jairus from the dead. How did He do it? He just speaks the word. The widow's son on the way to the tomb, He just speaks the word. In John 11, the resurrection of Lazarus, He just speaks the word. My friend, I don't know where they were, but they heard the voice of the Son of God. One of these days, he's going to speak again. He's going to come with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And those of us who love the Savior are going to be raised from the dead, these bodies transformed into eternal bodies. And then he's going to speak again. And the unsaved are going to be raised from the dead to stand in his presence. And to hear him say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, into outer darkness. I don't know much about it. Neither does anybody else except the Word of God says it's not a very nice place to go. Jesus Himself, who is the personification of love said, where the worm dieth not and the fire is never quenched. I don't know. You see, those are just uh, all just forms of speech. Well, my friend, if that's all they are, the Lord delivered me from the reality of it. Oh, I plead with anybody who is not a Christian. You're hearing my voice today. May I tell you, Jesus Christ came into the world to save you. He came into the world to save sinners. This is a faithful saying unworthy of your acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul adds of whom I am chief. Now just one further word, verse nine. Wherefore, because of this, because of this, because of the brevity of time down here, because of the certainty of coming in the presence of God, verse nine says, wherefore we labor, or if I may change the word, we are ambitious, whether we're present or whether we're absent, whether whether we are at home in the body, or whether we are at home with the Lord, we're ambitious, whether present or absent, wherever we are, on earth or in glory, to be found pleasing to Him. I ask you the question, my friend, my Christian friend, what are you living for? How do you spend your time? Are you ambitious? Yes, many are ambitious for more money. Many are ambitious to be a success in this world. Many are ambitious to have a name, to have honor, to have a position. We Christians ought to be ambitious to be found pleasing to Him. Is that your ambition? Is that your ambition? The world is going to pass away. The wealth of the world is going to pass away. Everything is going to pass away. Just what you have in Christ is eternal. Being ambitious, says Paul, to be found pleasing to Him. It's a personal testimony. This is what He is saying. Whether I go home, or whether I'm going to be on earth, or whether I'm going to be in heaven, I don't care. My only ambition is to be found pleasing to the Savior. Oh, God grant that may be my ambition. It may be your ambition. And the next verse tells you why. Because we must all, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one of us shall receive the things done in his body, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, and so on. You and I, Christian friend, have got to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. How are you going to stand? Is your ambition down here to be found pleasing to Him? Or is your ambition... Be filled with passing transient things. Now, listen, I'm not opposed to a Christian having a position or earning money or whatever it may be. What I'm asking is what's the great ambition of your life as a Christian? Is it not to be found pleasing to Him? May this be your desire. May this be my desire these days. Oh, that Jesus Christ, God's Son, will be exalted in all that we are and in all that we do. Now may the Lord wonderfully richly bless you today for his wonderful name's sake. Death could not
1: hold him Now life has a goal Jesus is coming We all will be whole The life that he gives us so free will go on forever, eternally. All praise to the soul. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast.